0: back with another episode of Behind the Song and uh, it's the second episode thank you for listening into to the first one right now I got a really really good buddy uh, we're going to be talking to him about uh, the song Dalili by Kwan uh, none other than Mark Abaya Mark thank you for joining me I know it's well I, don't, I know you really don't you pretty much don't have a choice or <laughs> <We're laughs> under this, fuck, <laughs> this fucking quarantine or whatever but thank you for, for giving us your time man
1: yeah I mean I'm glad to be here we, we go way back Same roots, same friends, same scene, same age. So uh, I'm glad to do this and like what we talked about. I mean, we know that we're this is the this is the time we wake up. Yeah.
0: All showered and breakfast, huh? Exactly. I just
1: showered right now for you, man. Fuck.
0: (laughs) 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 The show is uh, behind the song, and uh, we're basically going to be talking about the the first ever uh, single. Uh, I I don't know how you feel about people calling it a hit single or a single. But uh, before that, uh, I just wanted to go back uh, a bit through some history, because the year was 2004. And um, you released your first uh, album, major label album, and you had just left uh, Sandwich while they were at the top of their game. What was your mindset for a little history lesson? What was your mindset at the time when you decided that Quan was going to be your main thing, and you were working on the album?
1: There was actually a crossover time because Quan, I formed Quan two thousand three, and Sandwich was. If 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 I'm correct, we were still recording thanks to the moon's gravitational pull. So I mean, the backgrounder was. I mean, I began in Sandwich. I, I was a kid, man. I was I was really young, but I was I was I was happy. I mean, they opened the doors, man, and I learned so much shit from them. But I was in school while I was in Sandwich, and things got big. Things went ape shit, and then, but hopefully, I was young. I was able to graduate and when I graduated, I was still in Sandwich. I went to London. I was supposed to study there, but I wigged out and realized that I wanted to be home. So I came back and I remember I was wigging out because I remember I called Kelly. I just arrived so that was 2008. After September 11, I was supposed to watch Slayer and Bender and fucking London. And then 9-11 happened and that concert went to shit. Um, anyway, I came back to the Philippines and I was waking out because I wasn't planning A wasn't going to happen. You know what I mean? Like film school and shit. So I called Kelly and I was like, Kelly, what the fuck are we going to do? And what the fuck are we going to do? And he was able to calm me down. And we, we decided, okay, let's form a band. And I'm like, yeah, I, need, I mean, it's perfect. Everyone in Sandwich has like 50 bands each, man. So, you know, let's make a band. Anyways, you know, with, with Sandwich, it was always beautifully collaborative and, and painfully collaborative, you know what I mean? Because we, we came from different backgrounds and we're different, you know, different ages. So with Quan, it I knew it was going to be funner. So, I, you know, I was like, okay, let, let's form Kwan. So 2003 happened. Sandwich knew about it. Raymond was all for it, because even before I left, he was like, "You know what? You should form a band with Sina Kelly and you know let out this music that that can't be for Sandwich. Because if if you know the second album of Sandwich, <laughs> I mean, there's some heavy shit there that doesn't belong there at all. But you know, at the time I was, I mean, kasabay and Greyhounds, kaya so so siempre like fuck, I wanna do my shit, man. So anyway, so that was, that was, that was the setup. So 2003, there was Sandwich, there was Kwan beginning and Sandwich was making thanks to the moon's gravitational pull. All of a sudden MTV Philippines calls and asked me to be a VJ. So I'm three things. I'm, I'm in Sandwich, I'm in MTV and I'm with Kwan. So, um, I don't know why, but with Sandwich, it felt like. Well, I knew it felt for me, like it was. It was the last album I was gonna make with them. But you know, I was like, "Fuck it!" I was young, and yeah, "Fuck it!" I won't think about that shit. Fuck it. Let's just, you know, let's work hard on it. And I was like that with Sandwich. All of a sudden, if I, if I remember right, I, I don't know what's in the jig or Raymond What say. My mindset was like, okay, you know, we, we were jamming in Helltop, we were writing songs, Sandwich, and we had this 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 board and I was writing shit, making sure, okay, let's do this. Okay, okay, or we're okay, we're okay. The album. And then with Quan, everything was beginning and it was everything that I wish I had with Sandwich. Not that there was anything wrong with Sandwich, it's Sandwich was a different animal. And then MTV was happening and and I I started missing out on the sandwich gigs. And I I know, I knew that it was cool. I thought it was cool since it was normal. Half the songs, are on so you don't need me. But next thing I knew, I was missing out more and more gigs. And I started resenting them being young and stupid. And MTV was paying the bills and fuck, it was fun, man. Who didn't want to be an MTV DJ next to Sarah Meyer? Fuck. It's beautiful, and then Cindy at the pop in and so I was like, "What the fuck!" And I remember I was just I was so alive, and it was all a haze, and and I knew things started heating up with Sandwich. There were started to be issues within, and then a a fight. There was a big fight in Sandwich, and then I remember I don't know why I remember this. Darwin, Superstar had just managed sandwich, and he won. Darwin went to MTV and waited for me because I was gonna work the whole day. And I was like, oh, "Okay, if you wanna come, they come." And I, f- I, worked all day, and then mga gabena ng natapos. And Darwin and I never were never able to speak, but I felt like he knew that I was too busy. That I had, that I was doing things too many things more than I could handle. So it was a weird breakup with Sandwich when it happened, because it was things were unsaid. I don't know if it was through message or email that it happened, but I'm sure that I told Myrene, I think, and Raymond, Jago and Mike. I was never able to to say goodbye to just couple of years ago like I called up Diego and then there was a gig I think two years ago when I had blonde hair I think it was Rakista or something Rakrakan when I was finally like I I talked to Mike Nine, I said goodbye properly and then I think it was the year before that that I was able to talk to Diego and you know and basically I, I was able to say goodbye but at the time again your question is what was I thinking
0: what was I thinking was
1: Okay, um, college. What the fuck am I going to do with my life? Why don't we try new shit? Why don't I be an MTV VJ and have a fucking rock band with guy, with, with my, with my barcada? And why not end my relationship or my being part of sandwich? I didn't want sandwich to end. I just wanted to leave. So that was my mindset. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, perfectly. Actually, the reason why uh, uh, I thought I was thinking twice about asking the question because you know it's ancient history and whatever. But uh, this this all happened during a time when the internet wasn't the internet yet, right? I mean, all you, you didn't get the facts. You you couldn't release statements that much. So and the only thing yeah. we had were pu- publications and. Like, even Mix was very uh, safe with their content and the, the video channels. Like, you could, you could just, you know, be quiet and uh, not have everything in the news. Uh, so, it was, it's very interesting to, to, to finally get that, that answer. I mean, not everybody yeah. knows the story, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I was grateful because I, even I didn't know how to handle it. And I was so happy that you know, that, I could, that I could keep quiet. And and I was I was just grateful that Myrene released a statement to Because, you know, Myrene will always be Ate Myrene, Mama Myrene, Tita Myrene, you know what I mean? I love her. Yeah. And I, I always I've always known she loves me. She always loved me. I trusted in that. So she released a statement on behalf of Sandwich Me Man, I was too young and defensive and angry and angsty and was thinking, you know, the press is the enemy, they're gonna twist my words and all that. Bullshit. <laughs> it's stupid. It's being young. And in a way I was grateful for that, but it was mysterious. Now what what really happened when the truth is, yeah? I was just I was too young and and, and impatient and and selfish. Young. I was I think it was a very selfish move because I could have done it better. And I think now with what I made going about Jag or my I I hope I was able to do it right but again at that time I know it was magulo a part of me was happy then because I probably would have said horrible or the wrong things if you know I had no choice to answer then but now and you know, looking back again there I was just
0: too young I think yeah. and stupid <laughs> like we all were <laughs> yeah,
1: I yeah. still still am. Yeah. <laughs> We're fucking forty, man.
0: <laughs> so co- coming into the album, um, it was a self-titled album. Uh, it was released under a major, great recording. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Angie Rosul uh, yeah. over at Tracks, right? Did yeah, you already exactly. know? what the sound was um, because I remember when I when I first popped the CD I wasn't even listening to Daliri the single I, I, yeah. I really was I was hooked on the first song uh, Boomerang and, uh, and I was like wow this guy's really going for the gut this is the this is the classic rock this is the a la Razorback a la Juan de la Cruz did you already know that that was the sound that you wanted with uh, with Quan the direction and I was also listening to Surface Surface was yeah. like like straight out of the gate, just, just happening. Uh, did Was that the sound that you were going for? Uh, do you feel you accomplished yeah. a lot? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, because with those songs, okay. The, the mindset with Quan, I mean, talking to Kelly was, you know, when, when we were like, okay, let's form a fucking band. Let's form a fucking super band. I mean, at that time, for some reason, there were a lot of bands from Matineo. So we were like, you know, fuck man, let's get, Let's get fucking June Balbuena. Dude, that motherfucker's insane, man. He's so fucking good and he's so nice. Let's fucking get him. I mean, he's in Capate. Fuck it. And he looks weird. Fuck, let's get him. <laughs> but fuck, he's good from Happy Meals, man. He can do like fucking, he's, he's from, from red hot chili peppers to incubus. Let's fucking get him. He's Bastos. So we were like, okay, let's form a super band. All right, quote, unquote, super band. <laughs> and then, so I I had them in mind, and then I made, you know, using ACID 4, which I still use until now with drum loops, you know, and I, I, I just made Surface, I made Daliri, those two. And I think a, a couple of other tracks, but with regards to you know, the, the songs we're talking about, I, I made them by myself. Without bass, I'm just guitars, the drums, which were loops, and then I sang over them, made June, made the band listen to it. And of course, Jurel could do it with his eyes closed. See, June had a hard time from the intro of service, which is a trrr, 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 trrr. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a fucking loop, but he did it. He fucking did it. And even Dalili, the tratatatus, the tratatatus, that was just a fucking fill from, from a, from a band you know, of loops uh, that I I put together. So after I made the demos, I gave it to the band. The band pulled it off. So I knew now, oh shit, we're going to fucking, we're going to bring back big riffs. You know what I mean? And then singing over it, like what you said, rock and roll. Why? Because I'm from there. In a generation where people were either listening to Rivermire or Razorheads, I was listening to Wolfgang and Razorback. And then fucking P.O.T. comes out. So I'm like, fuck, <laughs> dude, you know, let's, let's let's join that bandwagon and and, and do what we can to rep because that's the music we grew up with. Not that there's anything wrong with the Eads and River Maya because what they made were songs, songs that people will remember forever and sing along to. But I wanted to make aggressive, bastos songs, which, again, are based on... On what Razorback Wolfgang and POT did. So again, I that's that was the objective, I think, with Quan. And I, we were of the age. I mean, we were all from rock bands, and you know everything that came with it. So the, the sex, the kabastosan, the the playing for the for that crowd. It, it all came together with Quan. And I think it, it definitely was achieved because I don't remember half the shit that happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's so awesome. uh like all the good ideas and all the great stuff, you really don't know what the fuck you were doing when you were yeah. doing it right
1: <laughs> exactly, and then back to your question so just just to clarify it, so it began with demos, and when then when the band was e- executed it and enhanced it more, you, yeah, and I was just like, "Fuck it, and it became what it became. <laughs> So, from you know, it, it was just slightly planned just in the beginning, and then it was like, let's just release the Kraken, you know.
0: <laughs> I'm actually glad you said that because, um, talking about the Liri, like first impressions, and when you hear it, it all sounds so I don't know what the right word is, but it sounds like something that Bob Rock would have produced from. Yeah. A, Again, that intro, there's so many catchy, there's so much catchy shit on that song. Again, the drum intro, the main riff that reminds you of Razorback, you, you borrowed from the greats Razorback, Led Zeppelin, Hendrix. And then you have this guitar solo that's, again, during a time when no guitar solos were the thing. And then you have that iconic line, bastusan at the end. Were all these things like, I know you demoed it, but was the demo pretty close to the final product? Or was this also a spontaneous thing again when you were recording it in the studio?
1: It was all very close to it. And then, I mean, since this is recorded, I can try to find it and email it to you. And it, it was there. I mean, if the demo is is 70 but the thing is, when it's, it's the way that Jorel would play it eh? with 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 a tone that he fucking made, man, he would just pull it ever so slightly that changed it so much. It made it more that gave it more teeth. Even June, his his slight pull because he's he's fundamentally a jazz drummer, it enhanced the demo. The demo was the prototype, and the band did it. I mean. If, if the demo was 99 and the band played it at 100, that 1% made all the difference. The bastusan na line was there, the laughing there, that was spontaneous because I was, at the time, we were in tracks and, and Angie knew me now from Sandwich so he just released me. So I knew what I was going to do but at the same time we were recording, okay, okay. we made sure no fucking auto-tune. Some, <laughs> you know who fucking did it. Some bands had Fucking auto tune we didn't. Angie was so against it. He wanted us to come in fucking raw. And the reason why he took us in again was because um before that, before before the whole Quan thing, we did a demo for we, we recorded for Ateneo. They they asked us to fucking redo this chant, this Ateneo fucking blue babble chant. So we were like, fuck, let's let's make it like head PE, red hot chili peppers, let's prepare for it. And out of all of the, the bands I know. I was so cocky going in because I knew that the band had rehearsed and that we would come in and leave. And true enough, Angie was like, fuck, you guys came in, did your shit and left. That's what I like. That's what I miss. So that was the reason why he fucking called me. I remember after a gig, man, and he was like, you know what? Because we didn't have money to record in chaos. He was like, I'm going to record you and produce you, but I'm going to produce you. The way i want to so i was like fuck it go let's go so again what happened during the recording of it was we knew what we were going to do already we knew 99 percent of it and then that one percent was all feel even the mistakes even that sintonado or wala sa tono or Lumailayung drums that was all organic and that was thanks to angie because he trusted us to do it he the, the, what the band brought to the table. The energy. At the same time, he would send us home if we were trying too hard. Like he was like, "Alam mo, Mark, wagnalang lang kasi inarte mo na masyado. or June, tamana, tamana, na, tama na. mo? Eh, Pinapa complicated mo? Eh. But yun. So he would he he encouraged us to be as raw as we could because he knew that we did our homework no matter how intoxicated we were. We did our homework. So when we got there, the job was. To capture that live thing, that live feeling, which is why the album is supposed to feel like we're in front of you, right in front of you, playing live. And and, you know, and that's what added the magic. So the demos were just blueprints and and, and notes. The magic happened to like with the energy in track studio between Jarell, June, Kelly, and me, and... and Again, I don't remember half of it. (laughs) It must have been good. It must have been, you know what I mean? I don't know. Things worked out after the first album. It was insane.
0: Uh, uh, Lyrically, uh, like talking lyrically, like uh, again, there's so many interesting things that happen. Uh, Ironically, there is that, uh, there's that ironic thing that the song is so interesting lyrically, but the thing is you don't really say that much. Uh, like the lines are very tepid or the lines sort of mirror each other. Long every time, like between its verse, chorus, verse, and then you change the later the some words in the verse. What was it all about? Like I knew <laughs> as I knew as a fan and uh, having having known you from the gigs and whatever, I knew that okay, cool. This is probably sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but. Uh I, I never got to ask you or I don't think anybody ever asked you what's it about? Daliri mo my labi. I mean what the fuck does that
1: mean? <laughs> oh, exactly. You know, I'm the same fucking way, man. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? And even my you kit, know, what the fuck? I'm labi my So I was just thinking classic, uh fingering, um eating pussy and, and you know, your, your fingers are good you know what I mean and, but ultimately yon, the idea is for Halimbawa what the fuck this, I'm sorry to compare because I'm not worthy and only people of our generation understand when you say that I'm not fucking worthy but do we know what Smells Like Teen Spirit is about? <laughs> do we know any of fucking Kurt Cobain's songs what they mean we don't we don't. And if you think you do, you're, pro- palaka- palaka- <laughs> you're probably a dick. Yeah. yeah, you're probably a dick. The point <laughs> is, with bands like Nirvana, and, and Nirvana is one of the bands that that fucked me up in a good way growing up. I mean, from Metallica and Guns N' Roses, Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, fucking Nirvana. When you heard their shit, you just went apeshit why because it made you feel something the sound so that's what i'm sorry i'm not worthy but that's the same ideology i think that was behind me as a lyricist what was important was the sound of everything the sound of the band and the sound of the words that you that i would put together more than the meaning of some songs Of for some songs have fucking meaning but Daliri was all supposed to be about ocean, Kabastusan. So there were tr- there are some trigger points. Like, Yun, you know that it's about sex. You know that I say bastusana. But you can't understand it. Cause I can't understand it either. It's just it's just a cool thing to sing. I mean, like when I, I come across someone who who recognizes me, it's like team ma that's what they do. That's what they sing. They don't know what it's about, but they sing it. It's like, again, when you sing a Nirvana song to the top of your lungs, you don't really know what you're singing. You're singing because you remember the feeling you felt when you heard it. So what was important was to make that come across. And that was more important. And, and I think being older that it did because the song worked and people sing it even though they don't know what the fuck it means in <laughs> <laughs> Yun so I hope I answered your question
0: yeah uh, I think it's it sort of parallels uh, like uh, a friend of ours like oh, uh, once upon a time it, I think it was Thayel who said it that yeah. y- you're treating uh, you're not really always like a vocalist or a writer you're treating your voice as like a s- an instrument as well so it doesn't necessarily have to mean anything but do you know or are you aware of uh certain versions from people or listeners of kwan did did anybody try to logicalize or discuss discuss the meaning of it to you <laughs> like uh, yeah, any funny stories? yeah
1: yeah that's why the fingering thing and i was like oh ngano. yeah yeah it could be Cause I was just I just wanted to say that you have good hands, but yeah, fingering. That's why it's called Daliri. Yeah, but honestly, I wasn't thinking that at all. Daliri just sounded cool. Like yeah, let's. Oh come on, we we came from a time again when bands were called Queso, or Greyhound Cheese. You know what I mean? They're like corn. <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't matter. So long as it sounded cool. It was cool. It was okay. It, don't don't read too much into it, man. It's 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 enough. And and I just like to share that I think that was part of what I learned from from Sandwich from Raymond because again I from coming from fucking Led Zeppelin where are Stairway to Heaven everything fucking means shit you know ah this is what he's singing about he's singing about this singing about that. Or sanitarium from Metallica. Oh, he's singing about this. He's singing about that. fate to black. He's singing about the war, man. Raymond. I mean, what what unified sandwich was Beast the Beastie Boys? Because I liked the sound of their flow, and and we all got along with that. And Raymond was one to subscribe to that kind of songwriting. That he would have a th- thesaurus. His lyrics would be they're a play of words. I mean. I got pizza glue all over my shoes. What's so funny with all that residue? The light bulb appears. Now in danger, grab the screwdriver from the container. Lipstick stains from the video shoot. Who threw away my rainbow parachute? Uh, You know what I mean? What the fuck does it mean? (laughs) But it sounds so fucking cool. So thank you, Raymond. Thank you for that. And, you know, I mean, it's true. And, and you said it to use the voice as a sound that, that's what mattered and then hearing people put meanings to your songs when you didn't really have any is, is amusing and cute and charming but I think Lane Staley said it best whatever you're thinking when you hear it that's what it's about <laughs> and I was like when, when, I, when I read that in Kerang I was like fuck yeah man I'm gonna write about anything and it doesn't matter what it means dude so long as it sounds cool because cause they're gonna put meaning into it the same way I did. I put meaning into so many songs that we grew up with Alice and James,
0: you know, all of that, all of that. that. That's so interesting to hear. Looking back at at the album, like I mentioned a while ago, there there were so many really other great songs on that album. Was it part of your choice uh, to make Daliri the first single? I uh, like how much involvement did you have with that?
1: I think I was hitler i was hitler in the first album but the my power lessened as the albums went on <laughs> it became from you know from from dictatorship naging naging democracy painful it was very painful for me and my ego <laughs> and my narcissism <laughs> but there i decided it i definitely decided it
0: the, now looking back well Good call. Uh, <laughs> but, lo- <laughs> but looking back now, um, I know uh, musicians hardly ever do it, but now that it's been uh, quite a while since you released Daliri, what are your thoughts on it now that I'm asking you shit about it? Uh, I mean, what did Daliri do you feel did? what did it do for Kwan? And do you look back fondly on it? Do you ever get tired of playing it? I know you still play it, but uh, it seems like you're still having fun with it. Like, what are your thoughts now looking back on that one song?
1: Um, yeah, I I am so amazed and grateful that it affected people. They remember us for it. So I'm glad that that song somehow came out of us, from us, from Kwan, and that it fucking worked. Because now we can, we feel it. It we're we're forgotten, which is cool. Because again, what matters is the songs. We will all nux, sorry. We will all fade, but what matters is the song. sana the song stays. And and for the people that I bump into until now, who are like, yeah, di mo na I'm like, fuck yeah. Because that's the way I feel about Razorback. When I see fucking Kevin, I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm like, ban your song, motherfucker, diwata, bitch! <laughs> or when I see fucking Basti, I'm like, utang ang You know, don't na claw, na claw. You know sing like, him, fuck, <laughs> Or Smith, you know what I mean? Or fucking Carl Roy, fish cake, bitch. I don't know what the fuck it means. Now, of course, now I know because we're friends now, <laughs> but... But then, like, and, and to have that effect on people is, is very nakakatuwa because, again, that's what I am. And to know that, again, there, it affected them is, 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 a, is a great pat on the back, is a great reminder when we forget who we are or when we question where we are in this sonic industry there. Daliri is one of the things that I know, fuck, it worked. It fucking worked. And people loved it and had fun with it. And it became their song. It didn't become my song. It's their song now. Forever. They'll always remember when they hear that time in 2003 when they were fucking or when they were in the car (laughs) or when they heard it the first time in Tower Records. and, 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 And that's important for me that I was able to give them a feeling in time that they'll hold on to. Because again, the song will be forgotten. It's already being forgotten. So I don't regret playing it. And with regard to playing it live, I don't get sour because like all rock songs, it's designed to be jam. I mean, the riffs are... there. You have your foundation riffs and your chorus riff and your verse riff and your solo riff, but it can keep on going. So what I love about my band is that we've been together for so long. We're friends we know each other in and out, that they know where I'm going, I know where they're going. The song can keep on going or we'll get Tamadna and just play it fast. And so it I like keeping things. I like being spontaneous. I like I like improvisation. And I'm so happy and in love with my band because we still are able to do it. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes I fake it too much. But the nights that it worked, um you know
0: what i mean that's awesome yeah. to hear all right so uh we talked about how how timeless it has become are, are does that sort of cheese you out uh talking about it mark i mean uh daliri is in the anals. i love saying that word the anals of <laughs> pinoy rock history uh, does it cheese you out like when people talk to you about daliri uh like what are your what are your thoughts on it what are the other thoughts i know you're proud of it and uh you like what uh how people have related to it but looking back do you feel like if that wasn't the first single or if you hadn't written it that way do you feel like it'd be like the same story it's sort of like a useless question to ask but I'll ask it anyway
1: <laughs> it's like it's like the, I, I, I love I love talking to you about it because you were there we were colleagues I mean you know what I mean we were colleagues so we knew what we were doing more than anybody else, whether we were faking it or whether it was magic and you know and good and real and true and honest, so when people talk about it, when they rave about it, I can take it for about ten seconds, and then after the ten seconds, I wig the fuck out, dude, I get so uncomfortable, and I 'm like, please I'd rather not talk about it. it's okay, and maybe it 's because. I mean getting old I mean being older I realized that honestly I didn't know what the fuck I was doing and maybe I don't deserve I mean you're raving about it because I don't remember half of it seriously all I remember is 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 geek is being a geek about it what creating it and then um, if ever, performing it live and, and being as honest as I can when, I, when, I'm, when I'm live, you know, whether it's an acting and dance thing, whatever, you know what I mean? But for someone there, now it, it becomes uncomfortable if it goes on for too long. you know what i mean
0: um well i I think uh part of it it goes beyond the song Daliri, but i think what what really set it apart like the album that album and the performances that came with it was it was totally not what that period of time was about like i love how you said that even though Sandwich had all these amazing songs like Butterfly Carnival, they, they started when they were, when Sandwich found its sound, it was still in that sort of indie vein uh, that uh, anything is possible vein. And then again, there was new metal, there was metal. And, and you guys just brought back like the best elements of what I think was of classic hard rock that I understood. And that showed in your performances as well. Was that also part of the deal? Like as a singer, when you were singing Daliri, you'd do all this crazy shit on stage. Uh, I, I know there were times you'd blindfold Jarell during the guitar solo, or there were times you'd gyrate a la Inky Pop, or sometimes Keith Richards. Was that was that conscious? Was that the young Mark Abaya who wanted to emulate his idols? Was that was that it?
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, dude, you know me, man. I mean, um, that that was. I mean, I grew up. The Doors by Oliver Stone, fuck me up. Um, watching The Song Remains the Same, fuck me up. Watching Jimi Hendrix, fuck me up. So all of that is, is a mix of performance and being in the moment honest. So there, that for me, it had to be part of playing Quan's genre of music, which came from, again classic rock, basically, big riffs, Sabbath riffs. And 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 I mean, bands like Rage Against the Machine, bands like Audio brought it back better than any fucking band. Like the song was just about the fucking riff and the groove and you could sing the riff. And I felt that there, bands like Rage Against the Machine and, and Audio Slay, more Rage Against the Machine was, would be a timeless band. And listening to their shit, you're like, fuck, this just classic rock. That's just one riff. That's just two riffs in the whole song. If ever not, one riff lang, eh. it's just ang sarap ng groove. So how do you keep it going? Especially if you're playing it live, you have to put on a show. So the gyrating, 50% of it was honest. The other 50% was faking it. But the honest, for me, I think at the time, and even now, looking back, had to be done to get your Attention to make you think. What the fuck is this guy doing? Because about that time, everybody was there again. The 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 time was new metal. That was two thousand early two thousands. It was still what was going on in the this. I mean, I don't mean to disrespect, but everybody has their own thing, and they had their own thing. But what I wanted Quant to be was to show you what my idols would do and what they would do were basically shocking things, man. Like which, which I'm sure you saw me do the gyrating, the dancing on the floor, the, the tying of the microphone and standing weird. And, and again, little did I know from Raymond Marasigan who was so into Iggy pop. I mean, I thought Iggy pop was a freak. What the fuck is that guy? That coming from the guy who likes Jim Morrison, the ba, putang kapal. Pero <laughs> there, that was also learning from Raymond. And I, I felt that it was important to express the song physically, which is why there, I mean, I, I the first album, second album, I wasn't playing guitar. So I, I knew, okay, let's maximize being a front man. All front men had their own thing. And I figured at the time... You know why not be about sex? So, so there, half the time looking back, I'm disgusted at myself. Fuck. But you know the other half is I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I can't do that now, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I remember we even played in a fucking Catholic girls' school. The, the, I won't name the school, but they fucking got us. Why would you get Quan to play in a fucking nunnery? And I remember one of the nuns tried to stop the show. So she went on stage and stood right in front of me. And and I'm, okay, I'm going to try to downplay this story as much as I can. So she stood in front of me and I just performed right in front of her, looking at her. And I'm looking back and I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Come on, that's a fucking nun, man. But at the time I was like, fuck this. Because again, so much testosterone, so much to prove, so much angst and, and, and venom in my blood. So, you know, why not use it since I'm in a fucking rock band and we're fucking playing rock, man. Let's be rock. So, there, I think it was all part of it. Who Kwan was at the time. And when we began, that's what we set out to be a rock band, rock and roll. So, and, and, I, I'm not sure if other people I'm sure other people were doing it I just milked it <laughs>
0: to <Yeah>. death <laughs> you, milk, you milked it the best
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly even the which, which, which came from Deftones Chino Chino Moreno kept on doing it and all the songs like oh. you know and I'm like fuck that's sexy dude <laughs> fucking Jonathan Davis crying while he's fucking singing you know what I mean? So okay, let's use the voice as a sound effect because the moaning at the time sounded cool. Now, if you do it too, that's why so many times Angie would be like, "Ilemo goin mo san lang." I'm like, "Okay, okay." I do it every fucking time as an exclamation point. So, but there it was all part of it. Again, the the, the sexuality, the the being angas paangas, mayabang kupal dicky. It was all part of the Rebellion of what Kwan's rock and roll was about. Jesus Christ,
0: <laughs> I, I'm 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 super stoked you're you're able to talk about it uh, in, in a candid way because I remember uh, uh, there there was that time when Kwan was was you know out there and doing it. And it it seems so easy. You were such an easy target for musicians and music fans. Like, uh, it's so fun to talk about what Mark Abaya did last night or whatever. So, were you aware? Were you aware? Because that's what rock and roll is. Like, it's not really about. At the same time, you want to make people happy, but at the same time, it's also a middle finger. There's that weird juxtaposition, right? Were you aware? Were you aware that. you were sort of the Lamanam cheese, chismes, laman, chismis,
1: laman yeah. usap. <laughs> I, I was, I kind of knew it, but I chose not to focus on it because I was so confident because of the people around me. I always had my brother who was in Bad Burn, a legit fucking metal band. I had Marvin Romero. I had Sandwich Full Support. I had so many musician friends. I had more friends than enemies at the time. So (laughs) it didn't really matter. And I remember also there, Raymond would be like, I I learned so much from that motherfucker. Fuck, I keep on talking about him, aren't I? But Raymond also subscribed to that. I mean, fuck it. Just let's just do what we want. It's like I remember this time. Um, I'll try not to get into specifics. We played a noontime show, and at the time, w- when was that? Basandwich? it's a 90 We released our album, and when we were there, we found out that we had to perform with one of the artistas. Ironic, I became an artista. But anyways, we had to perform with one of the artistas. So we were like, okay, whatever. So what? What do you mean he's gonna sing? No, no, I'm back up. But you have to play this song. And I was like, what? Why are we going to play that song? Because the artista wanted, oh, fuck it. And I was so pissed and bitching. But I wasn't giving any solutions. So Raymond says, and he looked he looked like, you know, he looked like we were about to jump into acid. And he was just like, okay, you know what? We'll start the song and then we'll change it. So I was like, really? We can do that? Yeah. With a flat face. And dude, we fucking did it. And we never played that show again. <laughs> so I knew...
0: Depends how you look at it, but I guess that's sort of like a badge of honor, right? Being banned from a <laughs> type show.
1: <laughs> oh, we've been banned from a lot of things. But I, I just want to point out, I remember also, I would see, I mean, live with the new bands, new metal was coming up. So David and I would go to the shows, apart from the shows of course, you know the metal shows, the hardcore shows, we would watch Greyhounds and Cheese. And I remember seeing Ian Tayao perform with irreverence. And I couldn't understand what he was doing, but the shit he was doing, he was like kneeling down, crying, um, writing on the floor with his fingers. And it would just it would just fucking fuck me up seeing it. And uh, it, you know, it disturbed me. Watching Ian would disturb me. And I would think about it a week after, two weeks after, and I'd be like, shit, he's probably doing this or doing that. Fuck, he's dealing with his demons on stage. Fuck, I'm going to do that too, man. So that's why it didn't matter because I knew it was freaky. I knew people would be uncomfortable and that was the point. I remember I enjoyed it. I enjoyed making people uncomfortable because I I remember starting out and, and people would be dicks, the audience, which is a good thing because it would push you to, to be better or to be more unique. And, and, and I hated it. And I'd be like, fuck you. You're all judging me. Fuck you. So I'm going to, you up and there's nothing you can do about it so i'm gonna do it as hard as I can as honest quote unquote as I can because I want to fuck you up now the problem I think is when when would that stop that mindset of I'm gonna fuck you up stop what if everyone was on the same page and enjoying why was that still my mindset I'm gonna fuck you all up I'm gonna do something that'll fuck you up and shock you. I'm not proud of it. It's just, you know, thinking back, what what was I thinking? And I think that was it. shock factor. I mean, <laughs> fuck, people do it so much worse now. I mean, oh, Marilyn Manson outdid everybody, you know, like, <laughs> fucking sucking dick on stage. Ozzy was doing it in the 60s, you know what I mean? So, and I knew that, I just knew I liked it at the time. I'm not proud of it. I'm just, you know, kind of gross. But Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, final question. Uh, because we're, we're talking about Daliri now uh, being, this, uh, being this track that, you know, it'll forever be there. People will remember it. Because of the bigness of Daliri, was there a constant pressure to top it? Being a musician, you always want to top your previous work. And then Kwan, uh, like looking at, at your, how your career and the albums and the personnel have changed... You've done so much outside of the box thing. You you came up with a ballad. You came out with a a super, super positive song. I remember that was one of the songs I actually liked, uh, Lifeline. But is there still that nagging feeling as a musician, especially one that's been around to sort of like revisit that time and try to top the lili? Do you ever think about shit like that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, To this day, to this day, what? But I kind of know the answer. That pressure's always loomed, especially, well, okay, the first two albums were magic. The third album was a reprieve. And then the pressure sunk in because the band had broken up and we could never replicate it. We tried, but we would always gravitate to new shit, shit we were listening to. And we liked it, but it it felt like the people did it. So we always had to have this half set, half new, half old shit. But the people want the old shit back. So the I mean, there's also that fuck them, we'll do what we want. But there again, looking back and being objective, it will never happen again. Whatever we achieved with Daliri is is testament. But that's what it is. It's it's just it's a fucking what do you call it? It's I think. A it's a, yeah. tombstone, man. a tombstone there. It's a tombstone written in stone. It'll forever fucking be there and it will forever be pure because it was what it was at that time. And it will never ever be replicated because we are not the same people. I am not the same person. So music became about doing it because we love it. Again, Kwan to this day, the money's good when there's money, but it's not enough. That's why we all have day jobs. We all decided to do other things, but we kept the band. We never broke up. Why? Because we never really made money from Quad. Believe that, believe it or don't, even the first album, we produced it ourselves. We paid for it ourselves. It was a fucking distribution deal because Sony B and G was merging together. Wally Chemsai trusted in us to distribute it, but we produced the album. We and Angie paid for it. We paid for the music video. Same goes for the second album. Same goes for all the albums. We fucking paid for it. I paid for the fucking music videos. And thinking back, and I'm very proud of that because I can say, if ever we did stupid shit, it's because we thought, we thought so. We thought it would work. No record label told us, you have to do this, and then we did it. That never happened throughout Quad. Fuck that shit. When, and then when Icon happened, I mean, we want a shitload of money. The ban almost, br- that's what made the ban almost break up. And then reassessing and regrouping. Dude, we, we, we even had therapy, dude. We all sat in a, on a table with a fucking therapist to get shit out. And we all decided, okay, if we're going to do this spa, let's do this. Why we, I mean, for the same reason why we started, because we love this shit. We like playing, and I know it's so cocky and cliche to say it, but it's the truth. The only reason I'm with Kwan is because I love Kelly, I love Boogie, I love Eo, I love Inky. And if people still want us to play, sure we'll play, but I'm doing it because I love it. I don't have to do it. My bandmates don't have to do it, but we love it. We get high off it, so much so as people still want to see us. If they don't, we'll, we'll still jam. You know what I mean? In a studio, we'll call each other, let's jam, or let's jam. Let's make an album for ourselves. Uh, if, if no one will release it, then we'll make it for ourselves. Why? Because I like to listen to the music I make over and over again. I don't care if you're listening to it or not. And again, I'm sorry, gone too much, but we decided that let's, okay, you if ever, why don't we try to make a song that the people will like? Let's, let's make a Pinoy Rock song. Sige. It didn't work. But we never stopped because of that. You know what I mean? It's more like, oh my God, we made that song. Oh my God. But it's because we decided. Nobody fucking told us to do it. It's always, and and there, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of that because we never had to. You know what I mean?
0: So does that mean uh, you'll still dance around the nun any day?
1: <laughs> if it's, if, if, if it's well, I'm older. And I'm more aware of <laughs> of the effect. And especially nowadays with social media. Oh, my God. Man. You can't just do shit. Now is the most dangerous time to be fucking dangerous, isn't it? You can't just fucking say shit anymore. If you say shit, you have to have a fucking 10-page, you know, um, apology. Why? I mean, listen to me. Half the time we're talking, I'm apologizing. It's already in me. Fuck, man. I can't. But that's the time. These are the times and we have no choice but to learn how to adapt or coexist with them or just respect the times. Okay, these are different fucking times and I can't say fuck you to the nun anymore <laughs> because I have nephews and I have, you know what I mean? So, But if I can, I will.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh well uh we we went back through history talking about the leery and the single uh but I'm sure a lot of people are wondering what are you guys doing now um how is quan doing uh i know you're a you're a busy guy you and because of this fucking quarantine, you know everybody has time to do uh the stuff that they like more than the stuff that they have to do so what's keeping you busy aside from this quarantine are there plans uh that quan had that was derailed by this quarantine or um
1: honestly they're just they're just ideas. Hey, let's make an album. But when was the last time we released something? I mean, the last time we released was that single, Hyperconnected. I don't. And and we have, like all bands, man, we have tons of fucking half-written songs. So I, I'm guessing there's just there's just something not make pushing us enough. There's just not enough drive. I think in the band. I can't speak for them, but we're all we all love each other what happens is like sa jamming alimbawa, kung jam kami, personally like we'll okay we have to do this song for if ever we have to do this mashup thing but it's fun anyway sige ba, let's pick the song or this song or let's make it this way we'll be really fucking professional about it but what I think we look forward to as a band is the time before and after the jam the hanging out the talking about this hot girl we saw on instagram or or what we're watching on Netflix or what what we're eating now or or you know it's the friendship now, and it's been that way i mean i I think and and I truly believe that if the music is meant to come out, it will come out there, eh, but it just hasn't so where is the band right now? We're in that limbo of Wala pa, eh. so why am I gonna fucking force myself? to make a fucking song and release it for me or because someone thinks we have to do it to be relevant. I'm okay. I'm okay if I'm not relevant. But if I get the drive, Halimbawa, when I released that single that Red Leads to Blue, I was 100% big love for some weird fucking reason. I mean, (laughs) this is funny. I'll be honest, I came from a breakup. And all of a sudden there, I was like, fuck, I want to record a song. I recorded it by myself. Not out of spite of Quan, but it's just something I had to do. I have to fucking record it. This is a fucking two year old demo, but it's a good fucking song and I, I can imagine it. Now. I know how I'm going to do it. And that, I remember that was the deal with fucking, with, with Monty. I wanted to record in tracks and I, I that was it. That's all I wanted to do. So I met with Monty and I was like, hey man, I want to record. It. Okay, this is, um, okay, I'll be honest. I want to record in Yellow Room. I want you to produce and all I give a shit about is recording there and kayo na mag-release. Sa inyo na pera. Again, all I want is to record in tracks, to have it mastered in tracks, and then put it on Spotify. Kayo na yun. I just want, I want to see it in Spotify. I want to open Spotify, see Markabaya, Red Leads Taboo, play it, and listen to it, knowing that it's on Spotify. Not it didn't matter that people fucking listened to it. It mattered. It was my personal relationship to Spotify. You know what I mean? Put it there. And it happened so fast. Even the video, I fucking paid for it. Spent a lot of fucking money on a fucking 15 second fucking video, 30 seconds. You know what I mean? But there was so much driving. And that's how I think it happens. Looking back, it's charming. It's not perfect. It's raw, but that's what I want it to be. Like it's, it's all, the whole song is, is, is brittle. Like it, it could fall apart any fucking second, but it doesn't. And for me, because I mean, that's grunge. And, and that's me. And I loved it. I felt so strongly about the song. So again, a drive like that made the song come out immediately. And I have no regrets about it. It's just that feeling has to happen for Kwan, And it has to be unanimous this time around that we're all there. If I you know what I mean? So that's why I think it hasn't happened yet. We're still waiting for that that kick in the ass. That personal kick in the ass. And it hasn't happened. So in the meantime we're playing gigs because people still want to see us. For some weird fucking reason. In this day and age, you still wanna see fucking Kwan. Motherfucker, how old are you, bitch? And if you're, if you're if you're if you're if you're under forty, you know what I mean? Or your fucking dad listened to us, didn't You, you know what I mean? Otherwise, there, where we're playing because for some reason people want to see us, so we're going to rep it. yeah, if you want to see us, we will give you our 110%, but in terms of music, we're still waiting for that lightning ball,
0: nox. Bottled lightning. <laughs> yeah, right?
1: Electric!
0: <laughs> All right, thank you so much for talking to us, Mark. Again, this has been this has been behind the song. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, Mark, for uh, guesting on our show. Uh, learned a lot of things. Surprisingly, I've known you for so long, but I did not know these stories, so it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Man, but I'm,
1: I'm telling you now, I'm honestly like, I, I'm, I'm cringing when I remember. I'm half cringing. It's, it's, it's fun to remember, that's the thing, and make sense of it. Of the, of the fucking chaos and the, and the what the fuck was I thinking shit. You know I mean, it's people, I mean, and, and that's why I enjoyed this also. It's because you were there, man. So it's like I can be, dude, ko sila, pare. You know what I mean? It's still working. And, but if it worked and it affected people in a good way, let's talk about it. You know what I mean? So thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. This has been Behind the Song and uh, thanks again to Mark Bay. Check out our other episodes. Uh, We'll upload all of it soon and we're going to be talking to more of your uh, awesome songwriters here from the Philippines. Till next time. Bye-bye. Cheers. This episode of Behind the Song was produced, recorded, and distributed under quarantine by Big Baby Studios. Stay safe and we'll catch you next time.